Well, would you open with me to Romans chapter 1. As we read through these verses in Romans chapter 1, there seems to be a progression of, you might say, degeneration and um, an increase in wickedness and a more and more turning from the light and embracing darkness. And one of the final things that is mentioned um, is in verse 31. Without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. That word unloving in the King James is translated without natural affection. And the uh, the Greek, and that, that's a good translation. I really think that uh, it helps in our understanding of this progression of of evil to uh, have it translated that way without natural affection, because the Greek actually means it's it's a word. I, I won't say it right, but it's ah storgos. The ah means without, and the storgos means natural love. So it's without natural love, and it particularly had to do with members of the family towards each other. So there was that progression that Paul saw in the, I guess you'd say, the history of, of the world. Uh, after the fall, things went down pretty quick. And eventually, you were at a place where many cultures would be recognized as having no natural affection. It just wasn't there the way God intended it to be. And then we see, if there's two places that this is used in the New Testament, this word. The other place is in 2 Timothy 3. And uh, verses 1 through 3, just to get the context, but realize this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, but realize this, that in the last days difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, and here's this word again, unloving, again, without natural affection irreconcilable, malicious gossips without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So it appears, anyway, that there was a, after the fall, a time of going down, and then God 
began to restore truth and light through the nation of Israel. He, he began to give uh, a, a renewed sense of what's right and wrong and, and between truth and error as he worked amongst the nation of Israel. And then, of course, sending his son into the world, the establishment of the church. Um, and we here in what's called Western culture have greatly benefited from that uh, effect of the Judeo-Christian teaching. We don't realize it so much because we've been surrounded with it, but the thing is is that we're reverting to paganism, uh, losing that uh, light that God has given, and so one of the results is that we are beginning to see more and more of this uh, way of living that is without natural affection. And that's what I want to share a little bit with you tonight on. I was particularly thinking of the fact that we're, ha we're having this life chain on Sunday. And one of the ramifications of this thing of losing natural affection, I think, has to do with the area of abortion and infanticide, and it would include euthanasia. Um, we, we are moving rapidly back into paganism in Western culture. And that's the reason that we need to be standing there on the street and proclaiming with, silently, at, at least in this event, with these signs, what the truth is. Now, um, I just want to share a few thoughts related to that subject from the scriptures and from history. But before we go on, let's just ask the Lord to help us. Father, we pray that you would instruct us and help us to see things clearly. We ask for your Holy Spirit's help as we look into this subject. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Because people are made in the image of God, because of the common grace of God and because of the law written on the heart, there is a natural affection that most people have or should have uh, towards family members, parents towards children, children towards parents. Uh, and in some sense, we uh, are aware of this without actually uh, needing to say much about it. It's just something that's written there on the heart. Um, in Isaiah, speaking especially of the, the woman's natural affection, Isaiah 49:15 says, "Can a woman forget her nursing child?" and have no compassion on the son of her womb. 
Even these may forget, but I will not forget you. So it's an unnatural thing to forget, but it's possible. You see, that's what he's saying here. Even these may forget, although um, it should be there. It's possible to stifle that and uh, not have the compassion for the son of her womb. Uh, but the, for that to be the case, there must be a stifling or a suppressing of the maternal instinct that God has put there from the very beginning, from the beginning of creation. Um, one mark of a depraved culture is that those things aren't there. They're on the decline instead of becoming more and more evident uh, as far as uh, affection of the parent for the child and the child for the parent. Instead of being more prominent, it becomes uh, less and less a thing that's seen in the culture. So that's a mark of the, a depraved person. It's a mark of a depraved culture. Um, as I said, that, be, that came in after the fall, and uh, I, you know, to put it in a number of years, I don't know how long it took for some of these cultures to go down, but I think idolatry came in very quickly, and with it came uh, some of the manifestations of this lack of natural affection. You see it in Deuteronomy chapter 12. Let's turn there. God is speaking to his people, but he's telling them to be, not be like the nations, uh, especially with, uh, this would be the Canaanites here. But here's what he says. You shall not behave thus toward the Lord your God, for every abomin abominable act which the Lord hates they have done for their gods. So it's idolatry, false worship. And he singles out this, for they even burn their sons and their daughters in the fire to their gods. So they're offering up uh, their children as sacrifices, these nations, uh, pagan nations, heathen nations around Israel. Uh, another verse, uh, Psalm 106. beginning with verse 34. Now this speaks of Israel here because they didn't deal with some of these pagan nations the way God told them to, to destroy them. This type of thing then began to come in to Israel. They did not destroy the peoples as the Lord commanded them, but they mingled with the nations and learned their practices and served their idols, which became a snare to them. They even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to the demons and shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and their daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. 
and the land was polluted with their blood. So uh, the God began, began to restore things through Israel, giving them more light, more truth, but they turned from it in many cases. And they go into this thing. This would be an example of being without natural affection when you shed the blood of your own sons and your daughters and sacrifice them to idols. Uh, Ezekiel. Well, let's, let's turn to Jeremiah just to go to the one that's next. Jeremiah 20 or 32. Thirty-four, thirty-two, thirty-four. But they put their detestable things in the house which is called by my name to defile it. And they built the high places of Baal that are in the valley of Ben-Hinnon to cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire to Moloch which I had not commanded them, nor had it entered my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. So, again, uh, there's a, we could look at a number of these. I think I'll, I'll just won't uh, have you look. Another one, if you just want to write it down, Ezekiel 16, 20 through 22, talks about the same type of thing, where God is now going to judge Israel, because they are picking up the practices of the heathens, and one of those things that is particularly mentioned is this thing of being without natural affection to the extent that you would actually offer your own sons and daughters up as sacrifices. Well, that brings me then to what I want to emphasize here tonight. And that has to do with our present situation and how we should view the times that we live in. Like I said, I, we're reverting to paganism in Western culture, especially in the United States, but uh, it's already happened a lot in, in European nations that were greatly affected by biblical truth and an understanding of the sanctity of life and the value and dignity of the individual person, uh, those things are being lost quickly. Nevertheless, we understand from Romans 1 that even though there comes this attitude of being without natural affection, they still know it's wrong. If you go back to Romans 1, right after the verse that we read there, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, which is without natural affection, unmerciful, and although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. In other words, even though these things are increasing, that doesn't mean that, that uh, they don't know deep down that this is wrong, that that natural affection 
uh, is st there's still something there that they're having to push against in order to sin. So basically what I, what I want to bring out here this evening is that the people that we're talking to or that are going by in the cars looking at those signs, um, some of them don't react very well. But the reason they don't is because they know they're wrong. Deep down, they know they're wrong. And we know that they know, even though they won't admit it, that what they're doing and what they're saying isn't right. From Romans 1, we know that people know that God is. And people know that other people have value. And that the unborn child is an unborn child. And that taking innocent life is wrong. And that abortion brings guilt before a just and holy God. And we can appeal to these things knowing that it will touch a nerve because they know even though they won't admit it. One man that I read said it this way. He said we've got at least three wrong assumptions about pro-abortion people. Three wrong assumptions about pro-abortion people. First of all, Abortion-minded people don't know abortion is wrong. Yes, they do. See, that's a wrong assumption. Second, it's wrong that they actually believe everything they say. They may argue with you, but that doesn't mean they really believe what they're saying. And then the last thing is, the wrong assumption, is that it's our main task is to refute their argument. That's not our main task. Our main task is just telling the truth in love. That's what you do when you hold the sign up there. It's just a little truth going out. See, what, what we're saying here is that people know that abortion's wrong even if they haven't read the Bible. And the reason that is, we've already talked about some of this, but let me just reiterate it and add a couple of other thoughts here. First of all, they know it's wrong because of the law written on the heart. For when Gentiles who do not have the law do instinctively the things of the law, these not having a law are a law to themselves, in that they show the work of the law written in their hearts their conscience bearing witness and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them. That's verse 15 of chapter 2 in Romans. So they know because of the law written on the heart. 
Not only that, there's another law that we don't normally uh, put right together with this, but we should, and that is what's been called the law of the harvest. And that is, you reap what you sow. Um, God at least partially conveys his moral requirements by linking sin with bad consequences in this life. That's the law of the harvest. He links sin with bad consequences in this life. So how would that be in relation to abortion? Well, the fact is, for those who have had an abortion, there's an increase in infertility, and there's an increase in miscarriages, and there's an increase in breast cancer. Now, they'll try to deny that, but that's, that's true. And why is that? Well, because that's part of you reap what you sow. Now, it's not always one-to-one -one ratio in this life, but there's enough of it there. That's a testimony, you see. It's a testimony to people. Something's wrong here. We're doing something wrong. Besides that, there's the anxiety and the depression and what's called post-abortion syndrome and the guilt. All those things are testimonies, you see, that God has put there. And then, right along with that, we're talking about things that are, are there for people even apart from reading the Bible. There's the principle of design. It's obvious that God has designed the womb as a place of protection for the unborn child, for that developing little baby. And you have to violate a situation that God has made for protection in order for there to be an abortion. So the principle of design, and then, then as we've said before, there is just that basic maternal instinct, that uh, natural affection that uh, God has written on the heart. So, um, this is just a few thoughts then in terms of what we're doing when we're standing out there. We're reaffirming truth that God has already put on the heart that's being suppressed. And uh, it's good to remember that. And it's this area of natural affection is something we're going to see apart from revival, apart from God turning the culture around, we're going to see more and more a lack of natural affection. And it'll come out in a lot of different areas. So we're just talking about one area here when we're talking about abortion and then infanticide. That's just one area. But we'll see it more and more as our culture turns from the, the uh, truths that were uh, part because of, of the 
effect of, of Christianity and the Bible on Western culture have, have been a part of our culture are now disintegrating because of people, um, because of the culture in general turning from those things. And as that happens, we will see more and more of a lack of natural affection, plus the other things that Paul mentions here in Romans 1. But we're just talking about this one area here this evening. And I just bring those things up because of uh, the uh, life chain on Sunday. Well, I'll stop there, and uh, maybe someone would have something to ask or add. Let me just let me just uh, give you a little historical information here. The the basic Jewish position was that children are a blessing from the Lord. That carried over, of course, in the Lord's teaching and on into the Christian church. Children are a blessing, not a burden. We have a society now that's getting that just the other way around. Children are a burden, not a blessing. And the fact is that many ancient cultures believed that parents possessed an unqualified right to kill their own children. That came in after the fall, and there it was until God raised up the Jewish nation. For instance, we you know we think of, of the great societies of uh, the Greeks and the Romans. Well, um, in the law of the Twelve Tablets, this is part of the Roman law, this would be about 450 B.C., there was a law that actually required a father to put to death any deformed child. That was part of Roman law. Uh, the killing of female children was common in ancient cultures and uh, made for a great imbalance uh, between um, the males and the females. And the fact is, even today, there's so much infanticide, female infanticide that goes on, that there's actually an un unbalance of about 100 million less females. It's still going on. Uh, ritual child sacrifice was common amongst ancient societies. We read some from the Bible uh, about uh, concerning that. According to Plutarch, the Carthaginians would offer up their own children, and those who had no children would buy children from poor people to sacrifice just like a lamb or a turtle dove. And the Jewish people were one of the few groups that opposed infanticide. The Russian or the Roman historian Tacitus actually condemned the Jews for their opposition to infanticide. 
He said it is a crime amongst them to kill any newborn infant. They have a strange passion for the propagation of their race. It's like this is unusual that they didn't kill their newborn children. Well, uh, I just say again, we are reverting to paganism. We actually, uh, in the uh, Supreme Court, uh, Roe v. Wade, the one who wrote up the, um, the court case, Blackman, I think his name was. Is that right, Jim Blackman? He actually stated as a positive thing that the Romans practiced abortion. It was like, well, the Romans did it. So um, that's the direction we're heading apart from God intervening. We... Whether God sends revival or not, we're still obligated to stand up for righteousness and truth. And uh, that's what this thing on Sunday is all about.